Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. Hello, everyone. I am Corey Andrew Powell, and I'm joined today by Dr. Dustin York. And uh, Dr. York is an associate professor at Maryville University in St. Louis. Now, he's worked in public relations for the 2008 Obama presidential campaign and also for clients like Pepsi and Nike. He specializes in helping individuals hone their interpersonal leadership communication skills in accordance with understanding digital transformation. So, Dustin, welcome to Motivational Mondays. Thank you. Thank you, Corey, so much for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. Yeah, me too. It's so relevant because, well, communication is key to, I believe, having a successful life and especially your future, being able to just relay information, process information and know how to respond accordingly. So a little bit of a more of your background, though, you also you are a contributor for CNN and you are you contribute to entrepreneur.com as well, um, Forbes, and you are also a contributor to Harvard Business Review. And I say all that to make sure people know that you clearly know what you are talking about. Okay. Hey, I, I, I feel like it's part luck and part a lot of caffeine, Corey. I'm going to yeah. tell you the truth right now. It's There's luck, caffeine, and the right place at the right time, I think. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, it's a good combo. Nothing, nothing wrong with a good cup of coffee here, here and there. But to begin with, with the student aspect, because that's our big demographic, I know that there's always sort of concerns when it comes to communication in general to make sure people are communicating appropriately. But what are some of the concerns or considerations uh, you've encountered with students specifically when it comes to professional communication? I love that. That's a good. That's a really good question, Corey. I think for I think to start on the, on the student side, right? I think there's two sides of this coin. And there's, uh, there's all of these, you know, older generations saying, you know, no one, young people can't communicate these days. And it's just all going downhill. And they're 100% wrong on that side. First, knowing that communication changes, right? Just like their parents and their grandparents said they couldn't communicate either, right? So this conversation has been going on since the 1700s of people complaining about how people, commu- younger generations communicate. So first, we've got to take with a grain of salt. Communication does change, right? We're seeing companies use emojis within Slack and teams within these companies. So, I mean, this, these are changing, right? So they're not necessarily just all bad, but on the other side, uh, we can't just say everything they're doing is fantastic, right? One thing that I'm seeing most, I think we can really blame the recent pandemic. Right. And so much virtual, so much, which is a skill, Corey. I, I, right now, I feel like you and I both should get like Zoom credentials on LinkedIn because I <laughs> you know how much yeah. time we've been on virtual and whatnot. A lot of time. But on the negative side, there's this, man, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be the bad guy for a second, Corey. I get students that say they, they want to graduate and they want to work, uh, fully remote. Right. They come out mm. and graduate. I say, you don't want to do that. You do not want to do that. Yes, there's been opportunities. Those opportunities are going away slightly. There's always going to be some of those opportunities. But if you're a young person 
and you don't have a reason to be re- remote. When I say reason, I mean, are you are you supporting an elderly parent that you need to watch over? Then absolutely, remote needs to be something. Are you watching over kids or brothers, sisters, or do you have health reasons? If not, you say, I just want convenience. <laughs> I want to do my laundry while doing that. That's breaking down that professional communication because at the end of the day, the unfortunate truth. Here's how people get promotions. Here's how people succeed. And no matter what job you go into, nursing, accounting, physical therapy, whatever it is, are those relationships. And how do you communicate when you're in a a work environment? I feel like that is something that we need to get back into coming out of fingers crossed, right? As we start getting back into new normalcy, that's a really big communication key. What do you think about that? What's your thoughts as we come into this this new world. Yeah. Well, you know, you are spot on. I think it's a combination of a few things, but one definitely being the COVID situation and having a demographic of young people who are, who are right on the cusp of entering the professional environment as COVID happened. And so for many of them, their only reference for a work environment is a remote environment. Whereas you and I have a reference for a time when we all were like, hey, there's cake in the boardroom, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, and those stopping by Helen's desk and spending too much time getting to know her, what she did for the weekend and how her kids like there is a component that they are missing, but are they really missing it if they never had it? So Good point. it's such a balanced uh equation, I think, to you have to look at both sides. And I don't really know um you know, what the answer is there, what I think should happen. And we'll be hosting a, a, a panel discussion soon about this. I think both options have to exist. Mm-hmm. To your point, some people can't physically get to campus or to a job. They physically have restrictions. So by not allowing that, you are then excluding a portion of society, right? So that's sort of how I, I look at it. Love that. Absolutely love that. I think, I think employers, right? In universities and colleges have to be prepared and leaning into it, not just saying, Oh, I guess we got to do this, but saying, no, this is part of our vision. This is part of our values. Right. So I think it's both sides for sure. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think you, you bring up, you brought up a little bit of a point too, where is there's a little bit of a bad rap. I think older generations will give to millennials or Gen Z because they're not, embracing the fact that things have changed, as you mentioned. So it's a very different society. And in many ways, uh, these younger generations are at the forefront of how our society will move forward. So it's almost like there's a little bit of a fear that the elders have to sort of like let go and like embrace the younger demographic because they are going to be the ones at the forefront of keeping your company alive, basically. But, but you know, you also talk about nonverbal communication. And we did a... Uh, a career webinar where we spoke about that as well. But give me a little bit of your take on the pitfalls of not understanding nonverbal communication. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm a big nerd, Corso. I'm a big nerd when it comes to nonverbal. That's my doctorate. I, I did a lot of nonverbal work for the Obama campaign with media training and these kind of things. So really what's, what's fascinating about nonverbal communication is it's your brand, right? We, we, before we even uh, started recording, we talked about the brand of your, your bow tie. Right. That's a nonverbal communication. That's that helps me remember who you are. That kind of gives me an idea. Okay, who's Corey? He likes bow ties. He he brands himself well. And if you don't brand yourself, you will get a brand, right? <laughs> so it's going to happen one way or another. So it's great to 
learn about nonverbal communication to help brand yourself. How do you show up professionally? All these like little things. I, I'll give you an example. When uh, for politicians, I've, I've trained a lot of politicians, right? And like CEOs of companies. And you would be amazed, Court. You would be absolutely amazed the little things that are trained to increase trustworthiness, likability, right? Authenticity, all these little things. Here's uh, one thing. So I was young when I worked, uh, was my first jobs in the Obama campaign. And one thing we, we did was we, my job was to get up in the rafters, like these old auditoriums, right? These like college, university auditoriums that no one's been up there for a long time. Dusty spider webs everywhere. And I would change out the light bulbs. Right. I'd be changing out these light bulbs. I'd have a box of light bulbs we'd carry with us. The reason for that is every politician, every CEO of a Fortune 500 company, at least a Fortune 100 company, has a certain light bulb that makes them look the healthiest. There's a certain hue light bulb. So every time we'd say, okay, which light bulb do we need to put in there? Because it caused people to trust that candidate more, that they are healthy, that they can lead in this office, et cetera. But to bring it more to a professional. Right, a student who may be listening to this. Here's a tip. I'll give you a very tactical tip right now. Uh, Corey, did, when you were young or last week, did you ever play the the lava game? The lava game where like you couldn't step on a crack because it was oh, lava, yeah. or <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. like jumping from couch to pillow to pillow, and then your you know parent yelled at you for <laughs> jumping on the pillows and whatnot. Right. Like, so picture this: the back uh, fourth of your chair is lava. Right. The back fourth of your chair is lava. So you can't touch it. So what you got to do is you kind of sit up straight. You know what someone's told you at some point and sit up straight. Shoulders back. Shoulders back. But at some point, this gets uncomfortable unless you've been trained to do this your whole life. Right. Most people don't sit with good posture all the time. So most people will slightly lean forward just like this. Psychologically, when you're slightly leaning forward to me, I'm going to trust you more. I'm going to find you more welcoming and opening. So for like a job interview, if you're on a student board, elect committee, think about this. If instead, right, if you sit in the lava all the way back, right, so your butt's in the back of the seat, you may start with good posture, but eventually mm-hmm. you'll lean backward. And right. just that slight lean backward psychologically puts a barrier. Even for Corey, if you've never taken a nonverbal class in your life, right, no one's ever told you that, something will say, you know what? That that Dr. York guy, I don't know what it was. There was something I just didn't connect with him very well. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is nonverbal communication. We just don't know. We don't know exactly what it is, but it's something. What do you think of that? Well, you know, I'm obsessed, by the way, just with the ID channel, right? So I will throw that out there. The forensic shows. And a lot of the forensic shows do a lot of observations like that. And so I'm personally aware of it. And I keep those things in mind because they will do these analysis studies of hand movements, gestures, body positioning. And of course, the old one that sometimes I don't know if I agree with the idea of like, this might make you seem unapproachable and guarded. Sometimes you just don't know what to do with your arms too. I mean, so it's not always that, but I do believe that um, we have to be very careful in those nonverbal cues. I've actually hired people or not hired them when I was in management because of the interview, a bit of a too comfortable type of thing was going on. I was like, okay, this is not going to work for me, but it was unintentional. I'm sure. And the person just wasn't aware of it. It could have been a great worker, but I was immediately, you just, to your point, I branded them before they had a chance to brand themselves properly. So that was, I love that statement. 
Yeah. And I tell you what, something, I'm going to give you some, uh, some credit here. I'm going to give you some, what I call flowers. I'm going to give you some flowers here. Some, something <laughs> okay. you do really well when you say hands. Have you ever seen the movie Talladega Nights? I'm a big kid and I watch comedies with Will No, Ferrell. I don't think so. No, no, I haven't. So he has this scene that says, uh, you know, what do I do with my hands? He's like being interviewed, right? What do I do with my hands? And what you do really well, the best thing you do with your hands is letting the other person see the palms of your hands, right? So you gesture like this. And so when you talk about like this, the issue really is, is I can't see your hands, right? I, this is like evolution, Right. The the reason people started giving handshakes back in the you know, hundreds of years ago was to show I didn't have a weapon. Right. Anytime evolution says I see the palms of your hands, I feel safe. I feel comfortable, even though I don't know why. So like when you're sitting at a, in a let's say you have a job interview. Right. And you're at a table. Make sure your hands get on top of the table, not in your lap underneath the table. Like those little things. And you do a really good job at it. Right. I feel safe with you right now, even though we're Zoom or <laughs> virtual. <laughs> no, well, thank you. And it's funny. I'm sometimes uh, have to be conscious. Now I'm, I'm using my hands, but I use my hands when I speak. And sometimes I have to be very conscious not to be like, you know, you know, over overdoing it. But I'm expressive. And that's sort of how, how I do. So I'm conscious of it. It's involuntary, really. But I, I'm more conscious of making sure that I pull back. So I'm not like windmilling my guest for it, you know, during the whole interview. But I feel like it's part of the expression of when I'm speaking, just to give that little bit of extra emotion. But people who are not comfortable with public speaking, that is something they should learn because in media broadcasting, I've seen it over and over again. People don't know what to do with their hands. And there are some tricks to help you with that. I always have a joke I, I use called holding the almond. And that way they don't move, right? And then until I want them to move, but then they return back to this. Uh, it's little tricks like that, but uh, I think people should learn more about the damage they could be doing to themselves by not learning more about nonverbal communication. Corey, I'm, t- I'm gonna, okay. I'm going to pitch you on this. You and I, we're going to go on tour. So I, I do the, I do these keynotes for like student life for different universities yeah. in the U.S. Right, and I do one on nonverbals and like leadership, and one on personal branding, how to build your brand. You and I, we're going on tour. We're going to get a bus. We're going to go around. We're going to use your <laughs> techniques. We're, we're going to crush it. We're going to have a fog machine, laser light show. <laughs> oh, you know what? Count me in. I just tell my job. Look, I'm going on leave. For a yep. bit, me and Dustin are hitting the road, and we'll be back. <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 a great thing to to go out and, and talk to people about because you know you bring up the, the other point is the branding. So when you are putting forth who you are physically as well, it should be very authentic. Yeah, it's interesting. I had all my life been not really aware of, I guess you know who what I represented. I didn't know, right? But the one time I finally did realize it, I went into my first job interview uh, after college with my hair, like just, I didn't, it just, I said, this is how my hair grows out of my head. I love my bow ties and I'm just going to go into the interview and be me. And I was probably like the least likely person to get the job, <laughs> but I got the job. And I was told later on that, you know, it was because I came in and I had a very different grasp on the situation. But at that point I had decided I knew who I was. And if I didn't get this job, I was going to get another one, but I knew I would be getting it as my authentic self. Yes, absolutely. And that is an important thing for people to understand too, is to show up as your authentic self. Yeah. I think something that you do really well at. And so when I do this, I do this, you know, personal branding thing and there's this workbook with all these things. But one of them is exactly what you talk about is a, a physical uh, uh, metaphor. 
right? Something physical that, that you is this part of your brain. So like you get your bow tie, which is fantastic. I'm going to, I'm going to remember that now, right? If you wear glasses and you like your glasses, wear big, colorful glasses. If you have big hair, make really big hair, right? Mm -hmm. Just pick something, right? That is your thing. If you're a sneakerhead, go all out, right? Talk about your sneakers. Like that's something that makes you memorable, right? Just like Mm -hmm. when you talk about your job interview, that's what candidates hope for. How can I be memorable? Right. And that's in that uh, circumstance. How can I add some sort of community to this, this culture? That's how you physically can do that. We're physical animals, right? I remember the things I see when there's a catchy ad on TikTok or something. I remember that, right? That's how you can think about yourself as a brand. Nike, I've worked with Nike. They spend billions of dollars on advertising. Mm -hmm. You should be thinking about how can I do the same thing for myself, for job interviews, for uh, leadership opportunities at my school, those kind of things. I mean, even a date, right? How can I, I, I make myself a parent to these people, right? These are all big, big keys. So kudos to you, sir, for, uh, for mastering. Thank you. Well, so far, so good, I guess. <laughs> so it's funny. I would love to have a shaved head, though, because it's sometimes in the summer. But now I've inadvertently branded myself as the guy with the hair, so I can't do it. But eventually one day, I will maybe shave it off again. Now, you also talk about... Um, Conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I interviewed a an amazing, uh, she's a former, well, she's an attorney, but she's a mediator now. Mm. And so she does conflict resolution. And one of the things she told me about it was she has to tell her clients, I know you told me what you wanted to do, but we need to analyze why you want to do that. And have you really made the assessment that it's the best thing for you? Or are you just acting emotionally? in a moment. And so when I hear conflict resolution, I always think about Winter Wheeler's assessment, but please share with me how you deal with conflict resolution with your students. Absolutely. Absolutely. So first conflict resolution is one of those things a lot of people are just scared of, right? I just, I don't want to be part of it. I want to, I'll give into your side or there is <laughs> conflict over time. And it's like the snowball effect, et cetera. So I tell you what, so for the students listening, I always like, so, you know, this is how I think this, I do these keynotes in my classes and trainings and whatnot. I try to be as applicable as possible. Like, give me something I can use today, right? Don't tell me about a a theory or abstract thing or, you know, Aristotle necessarily, but tell me something I can use (laughs) today. So I'll give you this real quick. Here's how to win a conflict situation, especially in the first to begin the conflict situation. You and I are conflicting, let's say, something easy, right? You can obviously fill in the blank of something more uh, high-end. But I think vanilla ice cream is the best. You think strawberry ice cream is the best, okay? Obviously, fill in the blank for your own thing. So we disagree. Here's how you think about it, right? From a branding perspective, from a conflict uh, resolution perspective. First, I want you to go first on why do you think strawberry ice cream is the best? That's the pro tip. Rookies, what they do is they go first. Never go first. Please, Corey, tell me about why you think strawberry is the best, right? And you'll tell me, right? Strawberry, boom, 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 these reasons. This is what you have to do, okay? This is a big point in conflict resolution, big moment right here. What I have to do is I have to say literally this, Corey, what I hear you saying is you think strawberry is the best because X, Y, and Z, is that correct? Now, don't be passive aggressive or like downplay your thoughts, right? Like you're not trying, oh, you just think this. No, legitimately what paraphrase what they just told you. Is that right? Your goal 
is to get my case, Corey, I want you to say, that's right. That's the key. Because here's the thing, Corey, if I, if you just had your, your side about strawberry, and if I just jump into why vanilla is the best, what do you feel? You feel unheard. Did oh, you even yeah, listen yeah, to me? Absolutely. Right? <laughs> you had no, what are my points? You had, you were just thinking about your side while I was talking. So in order to de-escalate that situation, I want to focus on what this is what you believe. I'm not saying I believe it, but I, what I'm here you saying is you believe it's X, Y, and Z. Is that correct? If I can get you to say, yeah, that's correct. I'm actually going back to nonverbals. I'm going to see you sort of relax. You're going to be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is correct. Right. I'm going to see you relax. That sort of barrier, that wall you have up is going to come down a little bit. So when then I go into vanilla side, you're going to listen. Right. You're not going to be defensive and trying to fight me as much anymore because we're having this kind of uh, good conversation. I've, I've shown good faith at this point. So that's just one tactical tip that one sentence I would say, students use immediately use with your, your roommate that won't clean up their side of the room or Thanksgiving when that one family member is going off about that one conspiracy theory, use this, <laughs> use this strategy immediately. <laughs> now, uh, when it comes to, Professional communication. I know you also talk about leadership communication. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is there a difference with those or are they sort of synonymous? I mean, how do you just make a distinction between professional communication and leadership communication? Yeah, absolutely. So professional communication is that I would say uh, it's the first base. Right. You're getting to first base just to show up as a professional. Those are those things like how do you how well do you email? Right. How do you mm. keep up a conversation in a meeting? Are, are you just sitting there staring during a meeting or are you asking questions, taking notes, those kind of things? Are you replying to email? That's like that base level of professional community. How do you show up? What I call like as a pro, like you can, you can see even with students, I can see, wow, you are a rock star. You show up well. And I, Corey, to tell you the truth, here's the secret that no one wants to say is in a lot of these work environments. People who show up well, when I say show up well, I mean, you just literally show up, you're on time, you go to the meetings, you ask questions during the meetings, those kind of things. Those are the people who get a lot of opportunities, right? Because it just, you, you look like, yeah, you, you, like, you care, <laughs> right? About what's going on. That leadership level, I would say that's second base. And leadership communication doesn't mean you have to have a title. Doesn't mean you have director in your title or vice president or you are a chair of your student organization. Literally, that's literally all it means is you have a vision of a direction you want the organization to go that doesn't currently exist. You say that and people will follow you. I think the organization should, this academic year should focus more on DEI or sustainability or event, whatever the case may be. And then say other people sitting around that room, that student group will say, you know what? I agree with that. I want that same thing to happen. That's leadership communication. How can you effectively see a future that doesn't currently exist? Get people to follow you. That's all it is. And you don't have to be president of your organization. You can be an intern or the first semester student of uh, organization. It doesn't matter. Dr. Dustin York, thank you so much. Associate Professor at Maryville University in St. Louis. It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And I can't wait for our students to, or our members to, to check out this podcast. I think it's going to be very, very educational for them. So thanks for being here today. And Corey, you are an absolute rock star. So thank you for having me. Uh, thank you. <laughs> 
Thank you for listening to Motivational Mondays presented by the National Society of Leadership and Success and available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I'll see you again here next week.